0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Life Podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance. My name is Mark Cassini, Product Marketing Manager at Voices. As part of this series, we're connecting with PMMs all over the world about various product marketing topics. Today's guest is Nick Kanapa, Product Marketing Lead at Mali. Throughout his career, Nick has had a hand in launching several B2B and B2C e-commerce, SaaS, and mobile products at companies in various stages of growth. He's also said to be a speaker at the PMA's upcoming Product Marketing Festival next month, where he'll be discussing how to future-proof your product marketing team. Now, I'm sure many of our European listeners have heard of Molly, one of the fastest-growing payment processors in Europe with over 110,000 customers. After raising €90 million euros last year in a Series B round to continue their growth and international expansion, Molly is in a strong position to fulfill its mission of becoming Europe's most-loved payment service provider. Alright, with that out of the way, let's get into it. Nick, thanks for joining me today. How's it going?
1: Hey, Mark. Uh, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's going well from a, a rainy and overcast Amsterdam. Um, things are good. Busy. That's
0: though. good. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Happy to have you here. And Hopefully, uh, you know, our conversation today will go a little bit wet- better than the weather is over on <laughs> your end. I'm sure it will. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So I've got a couple of questions here. We'll, we'll kind of just get right into it. So why don't you let our listeners know a little bit more about what you do at Molly as Product Marketing Lead?
1: So we have three core uh, product marketing work streams uh, within our product marketing team. Go to market with a subset of of that is segmentation, targeting and product positioning. Then we have commerce enablement, which why we say commerce enablement is it's it's a combination of sales and marketing and marketing within our Molly org fits within commerce. And that's really, you know, building compelling product narratives to help enable our marketing and sales teams uh, attract, engage and convert customers. And then we have research and insights, uh, which doesn't typically fall within product marketing teams, but I believe product marketers, you know, play the role of the customer advocate throughout the product development and, and GTM life cycle. So we found it was quite necessary for research to sit within the PMM team right now, as it helps us keep the finger on the pulse of, you know, market customer and competitor insights.
0: Yeah, that's, that's interesting to hear you say that because I know at Voices, where I work, it's a very different setup in a lot of ways, but I think the biggest way is is that research piece. Our, our research team actually lives under product, and I know we're speaking from a place of, of luxury in a way because I know a lot of product marketing teams don't have any in-house, in-house research uh, resources, so I think we're, we're lucky in that sense. But I do agree with you. I think you know that's something that I've advocated for is you know trying to get the research more under the product marketing side of things or at least more closely aligned. Um, So yeah, it's an interesting balance to strike. And, and do you find that because the research team lives under product marketing, that you're getting a lot of outside requests to leverage them as a resource, or are they pretty, pretty focused on the product marketing assignments that they've got going through them?
1: I think as research becomes more mature and it starts to be more visible. So it's not just the practice of research, but the value that research offers. So if you're looking at, you know, whether it be insights or a competitive analysis, more and more people will want more from research. So we kind of really taking it in a phased approach to kind of really understand what the company's research priorities are uh, looking through a product lens more specifically. And then, you know, how do we extrapolate that to kind of prioritize, you know, we're looking at alternative payment methods in the German market. How does that contribute to our overall payment suite? Um, And then, you know, what are the after effects of that and understanding, you know, how does that add incremental revenue to the overall business?
0: Absolutely, right on. And how big is the product marketing team at Molly?
1: So at the moment we are four and probably growing to five or six in the next quarter
0: exciting, so perfect timing for your own topic at the uh, the festival itself because it sounds like you're about to scale a little bit too.
1: yeah, it's been an interesting journey i mean when you when you when you look at Molly, you know people look at us as a startup, but we've actually been around for about sixteen years, maybe I think seventeen now um and when I joined Molly back in July last year being interviewed you know i took on the assignment to to, with ambition to build you know a world-class product marketing engine but what was more astounding is that there was never a product marketer before me so you know you kind of have this blank canvas of you know how what does product marketing do what does it look like how does it operate which is you know it's really exciting Kind of, I look at it as a, not necessarily a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but it's definitely up there with one of the things that I think for me personally in my career, something that you want to build and grow and be accountable for
0: on yeah, my absolutely. marketing journey. Absolutely. I think you kind of described the dream scenario for a lot of, of product marketers is, hey, you're the first hire, build the team and the function exactly as you see fit. I think that's, like you said, kind of best case scenario. Um, so on the topic of your career, I noticed in your LinkedIn bio that you have experience working in, you know, in both the EMEA and SSA regions, you know, without getting too into the weeds, what were some of the immediate differences from an organizational or operational perspective that stood out to you between those two, you know, very unique regions?
1: So my first introduction to, to kind of working in tech was when I kind of jumped the fence from agency, I was at Ogilvy to, to working at, um, at Tencent. Uh, or Tencent Africa, so we were a JV between Nuspers, um, which is one of the largest internet and media company in Africa, and, and Tencent, most people know by now, I hope, <laughs> is the, one of the largest internet companies in China, or at least in the world. And um, that was, a, it was just such a crazy experience. It was like three and a half years of continuously running through a minefield. <laughs> You're just shipping products and you just hope your leg doesn't blow off. Um, but it was it was really, really interesting because we were a team of, I think, when I joined, maybe fifteen, and we grew to 140 in three and a half years. And wow. we really took it upon us to employ the way that we have um, our, our culture from our Tencent uh, teams, you know, in, in in China, and we, you know, married that with like a hybrid operational approach from learnings from Silicon Valley startups. So it was really interesting. Um, you know, we even went as far as learning Mandarin <laughs> to really wow. help us kind of engage with the product teams in Shenzhen or Guangzhou. Um, and I wouldn't say that there was a glaring difference. I think for me, the biggest adjustment was coming from a, 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 b, a B2C startup, working on mobile products across multiple markets, and then transitioning to b 2 b to b product in a big tech company like Booking, it was just a big springboard jump from one side to the other, and uh, the learnings, and I think, and the differences from from being at Booking is that it wasn't the Wild West; it was structured. There were, you know, much longer lead times on product development. You're dealing with huge data sets, you know, multiple like millions and millions of properties,
0: wow. and
1: um, things just took a lot longer to ship. So your your lead times were longer. You were very focused. You know, it was kind of an upward management of how you build uh, how you build products not necessarily a top down, which was more like a 10 cent. where, you know, this is what we're doing. This is the kind of roadmap that China have given us. And this is what we're launching.
0: Well, yeah, it sounds like you've got quite the global charcuterie board of experiences there across industries, regions, that, that experience of working for a large, you know, Chinese conglomerate in, uh, in uh, that part of the world sounds, sounds incredible.
1: Um, yeah, it was, super, it was super interesting, but definitely, I mean, some of the fondest memories that I have specifically, I think, the best was flying, flying business class. <laughs> I, was <laughs> business. I was like, put me on the plane. I'll go.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can I get in line first, please? I'll, I'll happily <laughs> take that trip. That sounds yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I also, you know, I'm preparing for our conversation today. noticed on LinkedIn that you say that you're a GTM fanatic and you know, what is it about go-to-market that you find so fascinating? Are there any, you know, cool go-to-market stories you can share with, with us today? I've got some horror stories. <laughs> oh, that's here, though. Everybody loves a good horror story.
1: <laughs> so, I think, with you know, I don't know another marketing role where you have a work stream such as GTM and you are involved in the ideation, the development, the launch readiness, you know, the market and opportunity sizing, you know, employing each iterative phase throughout that process. And it's really like it's quite beautiful when you think of a product from concept all the way through to execution and then hopefully revenue, <laughs> and, right. and you know as a as a PMM like that's I see it as that's something for you to own, and and that's a really fulfilling, challenging but rewarding process that that kind of just gets me excited because you know you put weeks and hours of arguments, you know, blood, sweat, and tears into just trying to get this product live. And when you do start to see the numbers come through and starts to show like, you know, really encouraging signals that, you know, there's no solid market adoption. I think that that for me is like, that just gets me really excited.
0: Yeah. It's that I think you've perfectly kind of encapsulated that feeling of, you know, it's it's almost like I kind of equated to what I'm sure an entrepreneur might feel like when they're have this idea in their head and they are, you know, putting it together, you know, we're talking to different people, pulling all the elements together, but still kind of taking the lead and doing it independently. And I think as product marketers, we we often you know, find ourselves in these larger organizations, but we really should be thinking ourselves sometimes as these entrepreneurs and independent business owners who are, they might not have come up with the deal themselves, but really, you know, taking it, like you said, from from idea and concept to the real world and then actually seeing it perform. Um, so I think, yeah, you, you hit on an, on an experience that I'm sure a lot of us in product marketing yeah. really get excited about. And yeah, it sounds yeah, like... Sounds like you've you've kind of got a, a taste about it from the good and the bad.
1: I think on that point, maybe I just I need to get something off my chest after the yeah. day that I had. But I don't think product marketers are given enough credit for how much time and effort and skills goes into stakeholder management. Yeah, I mean, I just find that personally, we are permanently communicating, you know, we need to be transparent. We're managing stakeholders' expectations. We've got our finger on the pulse of what the customer's thinking. We're trying to execute at the same time. We're trying to make sure that if there's something that's implicated on the product roadmap, stakeholders and sales and marketing understand, please don't sell this, we don't have it ready. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to kind of give a shout out to any of the PMMs out there that really don't think that stakeholder uh, management is acknowledged enough.
0: You know, I 100% agree. And I think you, you, you don't really notice it or, you don't really have anybody internally to kind of commiserate with unless it's another product marketer, because like you said, like you're interacting with these different teams and these different individuals and the customers, and they're only really seeing it from that one-to-one of I'm talking to you, but as a product marketer, you're talking to that person, you're talking to this person, you're talking to this group and that group, and you have that 360 view and they're all coming to you all the time. So yeah, yeah, I definitely know that feeling and I'm sure a lot of product marketers are are cheering internally for you kind of getting that off your chest as well, because I'm sure (laughs) they feel the same a lot of the time.
1: Yeah.
0: Right on. So let's take a a look at, you know, the topic of your upcoming session uh, at the Product Marketing Festival and really about scaling your PMM team. So what is it about scaling and building out the PMM function and PMM team that you find so interesting?
1: So I see PMM, uh, like the practice of product marketing and how we work within organizations is we're quite service orientated and we're also human. (laughs) We can only deliver so much. And, you know, if we look at product marketing almost enveloping itself into the product roadmap and, you know, being the kind of the executional arm and interface into product marketing, I mean, field marketing teams or, you know, depending on what your org setup is like, I think that you really need to be realistic and, and honest about what you can deliver as one because I know what it was like being one product marketer servicing six or seven product managers and, and we'll get onto that ratio and like the perfect ratio between PM uh, and PMM. But I think that, you know, trying to scale your team is is really looking at and being honest with yourself. So, you know, what are your strengths and weaknesses? And if you had another one of you, what would you want? What, what characteristics and strengths would you want that second person to have to kind of solidify your team and kind of strengthen your delivery rate? Because we really are delivering. Like that's all we do is we just, are trying to push things out whether it be content whether it be training um you know whether it be aligning stakeholders and you can only do so much within so many hours of a week before you actually burn out and i think that was another thing that i was going to mention is that burnout's a real thing we're working in unprecedented times and you need to be honest with yourself that there's only so much that you can deliver and i think that that's something that kind of rings 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 quite true to me because when i had to kind of upward manage you know when you're in a scale up and everyone wants headcounts. You know how do they make? How does your product marketing voice get heard? And you know realistically, you have to say, well, hey, here's your roadmap. You want to launch ten features in this next quarter with one of me. Sorry, this we can launch three of those. So pick your features wisely. Right, right. Um, and you really kind of have to stand up for yourself too. Uh, and I think slowly, you know, it also comes. It also comes down to having an empathetic manager someone that really understands the role of product marketing and the value that you that you deliver and being able to articulate that and quantify that upwardly to be, you know, to say to management, hey, we need two more people here, at least.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. You hit, you hit on so many nuggets there. And I wish we had, you know, two hours to chat with one another because I, <laughs> could, I could talk about that for days, I feel like. Um, I think one of the things that you said that really stood out to me was, you're right you know at the end of the day we are still people you know obviously we get a lot of credit and attention for the function and the deliverables that you know you talked about you're expected to deliver but i really liked your perspective of you know when you're looking to scale your team take a personal reflection of yourself and say you know this is what i'm really strong at what are maybe some of my you know blind spots or weaknesses or shortcomings and how can i augment that with a new another person i think often when we look to hire someone or grow a team. We look at, well, who am I going to get along and work with? And obviously that's really important. And you need to be aware of that relationship and you know what the skills are required to be successful in the role, but really narrowing down on who am I as a product marketer, where my shortcomings or, or areas I need to improve and how can I bring someone in to, to fill those gaps or make me a better product marketer, I think is a, a fantastic perspective. So thanks for sharing that.
1: It's also quite interesting because Product marketing can be defined in many shapes and sizes. You know, whether you're in a B two B or focusing on mobile apps, or if you're like myself in, in a B two B focusing on payments. Uh, and it also comes down to the skill set of, you know, we really need to to use data in the way that we tell stories. Specifically, when you're looking at, um, you know, B two B messaging, which is more focused on utility, so like product utility v- versus emotional. But then, you know, you have great examples like Slack that, you know, really humanize their B2B products, which I always you know, employ and, and look at. So, yeah, I think the it's finding you also need to be realistic. You're not going to find the perfect person. You always right. have to compromise on something. And I think I've seen time and time again hiring for other roles. People are just like, we haven't found the right candidate. And I'm like, if you have the attitude of trying to find the perfect candidate, you probably won't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, fair point. And I'm glad you brought up Slack because, you know, I they're one of the companies or organizations from a product marketing perspective that I personally really admire. I always kind of see them as for that, you know, that um, use case and in that industry and that type of solution, like them as the gold standard. So, mm. um, you know, game recognized game, you know, they're yeah. doing some good stuff mm-hmm. out there. Um, so what are some of the telltale signs that, you know, other product marketers can look for when they realize maybe it's time to start Talking to you know my manager or those those leaders about scaling the team.
1: I would say from my personal experience, it's when you start to drop the ball and you start to and human error starts to introduce itself with either working long days or you just feel that um, you're not you're not putting out the best work possible or that you're falling behind deadlines and you know it also kind of depends on your personality some people don't always speak out they just want to you know that they have that responsibility um characteristic where they just agree to taking on more and more work and that literally is when someone burns out so i think it's 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 being realistic but also I, i touched on that earlier but to be able to to look at team members uh on on what's realistic to deliver on, on a roadmap uh, and what you can confidently deliver yourself. And I think, yeah, the first signal is just really trying to maybe move away from the mouse view and have a bit of an eagle view and, and, you know, look at something that is more half year and say, this is just really impossible for me to deliver on my own.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think you kind of uncovered that people pleaser syndrome that I'm sure a lot of product marketers find themselves in where because we're supporting so many teams or interacting with so many stakeholders, sales, you, you don't ever want to let anybody down. But I think you're right when it gets to a point where, you just, you can't not let someone down because you're doing so much. It's, that's the moment where you have to realize like, okay, I need help. And you you mentioned earlier about burnout, you know, I think, you know, not just product marketers, but everybody's really feeling that, that feeling of being burnt out. And it's important to recognize, you know, when you need help and, and you, you know, you have to make sure you know who to go to and and have those conversations because it's definitely not something you want to see carry on for a while.
1: You also need to, and I believe that you need to go as far as, if you're not willing, if they're not, if your team is not willing to give you help, then reassess what you're doing there. And that's not an, it's easier said than done, but you need to think, you know, am I being set up for success in this company? If yes, great. If no, what needs to be addressed and how quickly does it need to be addressed? And that's kind of like a very simple way of just really removing yourself from, from that environment and deciding what's best for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Again, it all goes back to that point you made earlier, you know, we're, we're still people at the end of the day. Right? Yeah. So that, that's that's got to take priority over a lot of different things. So you, you touched on earlier in one of your your answers about, you know, when you're looking to hire another product marketing manager or someone to bring into the team about, you know, taking that personal reflective look and seeing kind of where those gaps are that someone could augment. But how does that differ from when you're looking to maybe hire the third or fourth and really start to to build a team beyond that team of one or two people? Are there yeah. Are there any differences or specific characteristics you would look for
1: um, in the
0: third or fourth hire?
1: So, I try and keep a common theme to hiring and what I look for. And, you know, experience and willingness to learn far outweighs whether you have an MBA or something like that. Right. Uh, And I think that how I structure interviews, uh, and maybe people won't agree with this, but I like to give a really hard challenge because that's, you know, the one intersection where you can really review and interrogate someone's thinking and you can either quickly see that it's their own thinking or it's the, the, it's not <laughs> right and 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 that's definitely one way of understanding not just you know where maybe they did a good or bad job of the challenge but it's you know how do they take questions how do they think on the spot and and that for me is probably one of the most crucial deciders and whether it's going to be like a higher or no higher or do you, you know progress to a final interview or not so yeah. I definitely look at experience and, and I think, you know, culture fits super important. You can have someone with all the experience in the world, but if they don't have a, if they're not, if they're not the right culture fit or they're not like-minded uh, with, you know, trying to, to focus on chasing a common goal, then that's also probably a no for me.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think you, two, two takeaways for our listeners there. One is, you know, if you're interviewing at Molly and Nick's your interviewer, prepare to be challenged. It sounds like it, prepare to get some tough questions, which is great, but also, You know, it's funny when you look at product marketing, um, postings at different companies, I think so often the hiring manager will over index on need to have three years in this specific industry in this specific context. And it's just like, you're hiring an associate product marketing manager and expect them to have, you know, three to five years in this obscure industry that just started seven years ago where it's Mm -hmm. like, I think you're right. Like, are they, are they willing to learn? Anybody can learn those industries.
1: You just triggered me so hard. (laughs) (laughs) I was, um, uh, was uh, creating the product marketing career framework. So, you know, really looking at, you know, what is the career trajectory for a product marketer and where does it go? And I mean, we were using this outside consultancy, and no disrespect to them if they're listening, but <laughs> when we looked at the career framework in this career framework tooling uh, software, I think there were about maybe 22 or 23 different data points to assess wow. someone's career progress, and I was like, "We're not hiring astronauts," uh, <laughs> and and I just I just feel that you know the, the industry is so warped on trying to find a product marketer that um, you know has the same data capabilities of a data scientist, right. or you know like just you know refine it and focus on like three or four key things that you're looking yeah. for, and that goes back to what does your team need, and what are you looking for to complement the team, yeah. so. Yeah, I, I I really get annoyed that when I see these ridiculous roles looking for like a product marketing associate, three years minimum experience. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah, no, I agree 100. I think one of my favorite ones to see is, and maybe this is just because of my own personal shortcomings, but I love to see product marketing positions where it's like must be proficient graphic designer. It's like <laughs> I didn't, I don't know how to graphic design it. I went to business school. How would yeah. I, I would like any product marketer who can do that kind of collateral creation and design themselves hats off to you because I don't, A, I don't know how anybody could be expected to do that and B, like, those two skill sets coming together, the, the logical, you know, side of your brain and the creative side to, to do that, you're yeah. a unicorn in my mind.
1: It takes years of mastering PowerPoints and how to create the perfect right. angle and subhead it.
0: Agreed. So, yeah, let's let's take, let's take just chat briefly about this upcoming session you've got at the festival because I'm sure a lot of our, our listeners are excited to to register and attend. And, you know, one of the kind of, core areas of focus is how to motivate and persuade, you know, management to, to add the headcount in their product marketing function. And, you know, aside from the obvious, you know, financial reasons, why do you think management probably needs more persuasion to scale product marketing than let's say like sales or development?
1: So good question. And I think that if you ask any startup or scale up nine times out of 10, if you say to them, Do you want another product marketer or would you like another engineer they'll probably say engineer right and i think that's just the reality that we face is that there are always other priorities but you know if you had to change the the question and say would you like to launch three more features in order to give Mm -hmm. you a better competitive offering how are you going to launch those features because an engineer is not going to do that uh, and it's it's really trying to bring outsiders into your product marketing world and try and influence and basically upsell your services or your skill set to to kind of change the context of, of of how they view it. And I mean, I had to do you know ground up work when arriving at Molly. Like I literally had a presentation that said what is product marketing, and I would have yeah. to present. You know, like this is why I'm here. This is what <laughs> I do. This is how I work with you because you're a product manager um and it's been a really great experience you know now to see kind of like the frequency and repetition of why am i here and what i'm doing now it's really starting to resonate with the with the wider org and i mean you can see we're starting to get more headcount uh, a lot faster because we're starting to just move a lot quicker and, and the product org's reaching you know maturity becoming you know more domain specific rather than just product team and you know you need a product marketer to start working towards that that domain um, specific approach and not necessarily be like service orientated across four domains because the two things that happen is that when you take a more reactive approach so product marketing are proactive on our own roadmap as in this is our activity plan for h2 but we reactive to the product roadmaps meaning that it's like it's like drip feeding information down to your product marketing team and then it's like oh let's go launch but you have zero context of what they've been working on for the last three months and how that impacts your value proposition to your customer. So, you know, I'm totally all for when you get to that golden ratio, I think, you know, it it depends like booking.com, you know, we had a product marketer to a PM and we had an engineering lead and then engineers. And sometimes, you know, depending on whether you were a product marketer, a senior product marketer, it it really depends on, on, you know, what your team needs and and the type of products that you're working on and, and where that product is in its life cycle. So, you know, I could manage working with four or five product managers, but that's at a stretch, meaning that you're not gonna get the best of work out of me, I'm just basically gonna ship things because I need to. Um, And and, and what happens is that you really lose touch of your customer because you're just so Mm -hmm. focused on material production and shipping things that once it's landed, it's almost too late to iterate on or to try and get feedback and then you look bad, your product teams look bad, marketing don't know what's going on and it just becomes a big mess.
0: Yeah, I think you described a situation that I'm sure a lot of product marketers find themselves in is, you know, whether it's the one to three or one to four, I think a lot of the times some of the leaders at those organizations forget that the product team is working on a feature or a new service or a launch for, you know, yes, sure, the two-week sprints, but they're probably working for that specific thing for months. But if you're a product marketing manager and you've got for teams that you're supporting, and they're releasing something every two weeks, you don't get that same, you know, months, several months to prepare yeah. like their product teams do, because they, they release the feature and they're on to the next one. But meanwhile, the product marketers is just trying to keep up and, you know, keep up with that cadence of every two weeks, something's new is happening. Yeah. So I think, I think you kind of described something that a lot of product marketers, you know, feel regularly.
1: It's also, you know, the expectation management of your sales teams, where they know, we're going to offer this product and they've got customers wanting it and then all of a sudden there's a glitch in the way that we look at compliance or the, you know the regulatory environment or there's another product dependency on the roadmap and that pushes it out by 3 or 4 weeks or you know 6 or 8 sprints and then all of a sudden you've got you know your commerce team not necessarily managing new customer prospective customers expectations and again you know it goes back to like stakeholder alignment you know transparency communication It's kind of keeping one hand on your Slack channels and the other hand on your emails, like direct project sponsors or stakeholders. But it really is tricky. And I mean, that's why like I really, you know, I I can't stress enough how when, you know, you look at, it's hard to test someone, how good are you at stakeholder management (laughs) until you put them in a very stressful, you know, highly disruptive environment to see if they can keep the wheels on the bus.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, you kind of, alluded to it or teased it throughout our conversation here, but this idea of the golden ratio, which is a topic that I think every product marketer has, has had to talk through at some point in their career. And it, it gets asked often. I know it's asked often in the annual, you know, product marketing trends report by the PMA, but as product marketers are so obsessed with this golden ratio. And, and why do you think we always, as product marketers see ourselves through the lens of, you know, how many of us are needed relative to our product counterparts, uh, counterparts excuse me. Well, yeah. Why is it never the other way around? Yeah, that's that's a good point. (laughs) Why isn't it the other way around?
1: (laughs) So, yeah, again, it comes back to, I think, you know, maturity of the the product org and um, how much experience there is between maybe product managers that have or have not worked with the product marketer because, you know, sometimes in in, in other companies, it's, you know, the onus is on the product manager to do the market research, Mm -hmm. um, to look, you know, with an outward-facing approach on, you know, the customer and the market I, I haven't yet seen or heard product managers that own the GTM and execution. But again, that sometimes might be different where you have, you know, regional marketing teams or field marketers where you typically hand the baton over and say like, you know, here's your material. These are the USPs, go and make a campaign and launch it. And yeah, uh, yeah I think I think with, with Molly, we really focus on the customer and you're not always going to have product teams that are customer facing. Like, you know, you will have potential product teams like infrastructure, where, you know, they're just looking at, you know, technical debt. So for me, it was kind of creating a, a, an org that shows these product teams, I won't touch because they won't need me. However, these product teams like financial services or, you know, payment methods, uh, alternative payment methods, they are going to be releasing new features, you know, whether it be Google Pay or um, Apple Pay and things like that that's going to need someone to create a, an email to the, to the customers. And and that's really dumbing it down. <laughs> right. So we, don't up, we don't just end up sending emails, although that's what product managers think we do. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh yeah. It's like that meme. It's like, it's like, you know, what product thinks I, do, I, you know, product marketing does what sales yeah. thinks I do, what I actually do. It's kind of like yeah. you visualize yeah. it like that. And uh, here I am trying to explain a visual meme over audio It's classic, <laughs> classic uh, product marketer here. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to just jump to our, our last question because I think you hit on so many amazing nuggets. and you know, I, I think I feel like I could talk to you for hours about some of this stuff, but we've, we've got to keep it short for our listeners. You can have a separate um,
1: podcast for stakeholder management.
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, I mean, it sounds like a good portion of your session is, is about that specifically. So for anybody who, you know, before I get to my last question here, for anybody who, you know, really enjoyed some of the, the topics and insights that, that Nick brought up, and there were lots of them. Um, Don't forget to catch Nick's session, um, Future-Proofing Your PMM Team, How and When to Scale, on June 17th during this year's Product Marketing Festival. Uh, To register, head over to festival.productmarketingalliance.com. I'll say it again, festival.productmarketingalliance.com. And book your spot at Nick's session. It sounds like there's going to be some incredible uh, insights in addition to the ones we just talked about today. So if you haven't already, sign up. Uh, You won't regret it. I know I've already registered. So I look forward to to hearing this um, from you again. Awesome. So yeah, last question. And it's one I like to ask everybody who's on the show. Um, what advice or tips would you have for people looking to get into or building their career in product marketing?
1: I think if you have your sites set on a PMM role, um, as Molly, Molly has these internal values, be bold and be authentic. Um, and I believe personally, if you don't ask, you don't get so. You know i think you need to look at really understand what the practice of product marketing is and 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 what are the types of skills and i mean you can literally do that by google search and look at you know yourself and say okay you know like copywriting great skill set for a product marketer to have you know i've read multiple times that you know we've had uh, companies have had a, a copywriter that's gone that's got like great you know operational skill set and has moved into or transitioned into a product marketing role. Um, and the same like project managers. I mean, that's stakeholder management 101. So, you know, really try and identify with where your company is. What does the product org structure look like? Because product marketing is not always in product. You know, sometimes it's in, it's in marketing. And I believe it's product marketing for a reason, not marketing product. Um, and uh, I would just say, you know, have, a, be, have an open and honest conversation with your manager and say, hey, like, I'm really inspired. <laughs> or I, I'm really attracted to understanding and learning more about what product marketing is and how it can benefit the business. And, and, and point out, you know, take that initiative and be pragmatic and say, who's launching our products? Or how, who's training the marketing teams on, on what our products do and, and why they offer value to our customers? And point out the key dependencies if there isn't a product marketer and, and how those can be improved if there was to be a product marketer. That's Absolutely. the advice. Or <laughs> not paid to say this, go to the Product Marketing Alliance <laughs> and start doing some reading and research because there's so much training there already. I mean, I myself, you know, if it's not in the Slack channel or if it's not just on the website when you're looking at like uh, guest, um, publishing guests, guest publishers when they're mm-hmm. writing about, you know, GTM or messaging. You know, I came across April Dunford on, on positioning. you like really awesome. There's so much great content already there that can give you a better idea of exactly what product marketing
0: is. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And shameless plug for the Product Marketing Alliance. You know, <laughs> shameless, say, say, absolutely shameless. You know, it, I, I I came into the alliance. I can't remember how I found them. It was probably through a Google search as well. And you know, in, in my short time working with them, and and like you said, keeping an eye on them, I've learned so much. So anybody who came across this podcast and and isn't already a member of the alliance or hasn't you know gone through the Slack channel like you said or, or visited the site, absolutely do that. I'll say it again, absolutely sign up for Nick's session at the festival. It's, it's going to be a fantastic one to attend. I can't wait for it. And yeah, we'll, we'll wrap up here. Thank you so much, Nick. This was great. Like I said, I feel like I could keep talking to you for, for hours after we finish recording, but I won't steal more of your time. And thank you so much for being here. I'm sure our listeners really appreciate it. I know I did.
1: Yeah, thank you. It was a It was an absolute pleasure and really nice to spend some time with you and stepping out of my chaotic work environment.
0: It's always nice to get a break. Cool. Awesome. Thanks so much, Nick. Take care. You too. Cheers, Mark. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic, or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another... And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.